What are the goals for GPC States coming up? Yeah, so hoping to hit really close to a 400 total. Oh, wow. So hopefully a 150 squat, uh, 80 bench, and ideally a 170 deadlift. And they were sort of like, okay, we've got a couple of options. Either you pull your act together and you agree to work on improving yourself and we'll pay for you to do a month of powerlifting coaching and, you know, start training in a healthy way, but you have to be eating um, or you lose your job. So I chose the, okay, let's see if I can kick myself into gear a bit better. Deadlift, I've actually swapped from conventional to sumo. As well. <gasps> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, look, playing to the teacup leverages. Yeah. Um, it's just, a, it feels better. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to the next episode of the Strength Institute podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sammy Johannes, um, who uh, used to work originally in accounting. Actually, before we even go into this, disclaimer, we've, we've decided we're going to have a little disclaimer at the front. In this podcast, guys, not only are we going to be talking about um, sort of powerlifting and competing, but it's also going to be touching on um, pretty serious topics such as like uh, eating disorders. So if that's something that's going to upset you or maybe trigger you, um, just a bit of a, a heads up for you there. Okay, so uh, Sammy used to work uh, in accounting software and, and was an accountant and a business uh, development executive uh, before moving to WA in 2018. Um, she's also a business coach in the fitness industry um, and has been powerlifting since 2014 while all the time recovering from an eating disorder. As well as um, being a powerlifter, Sammy runs a, a YouTube channel um, which is uh, talking about powerlifting and mental health. And so this all came about um, when I had seen you do a few posts on, on your Facebook, actually, um, talking about uh, overcoming or working through eating disorders and getting into powerlifting um, as well. And I thought that's really um, both interesting and also useful information um, for people who may be struggling with that, um, but also for the coaching side of things, because I've definitely trained um, people that have eating disorders before, and it's sort of hard to know where to um, where to draw the line, what to tiptoe around, what to bring up, what to not bring up, and let them deal with themselves. So a little bit of insight might be uh, pretty handy for me. So thanks very much for jumping onto the podcast. Yeah, that's all right. Thank you for having me. No, no worries. Um, uh, as well, you have a a state GPC states coming up in two weeks' time for powerlifting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't mention this in the in the original blurb, guys, but uh, she's quite a strong powerlifter here. We're, we're squatting 145 kilos, uh, benching 75, and deadlifting 160. Um, what are the goals for GPC states coming up? Yeah. So hoping to hit really close to a 400 total. Oh wow. So hopefully a 150 squat, uh, 80 bench, and ideally a 170 deadlift. Fantastic. So one, how did you get into powerlifting? And two, um, was it, uh, or, or how have you managed to sort of work with your eating disorder um, and, and ease yourself into powerlifting? Because the two can sort of clash sometimes when you're talking about performance and training, that goes hand in hand with food. So how do you manage that? Or maybe if you just start <laughs> with telling me your uh, story about how you got into everything. Yeah, so it was mid-2014 uh, and I was pretty deep in a relapse. I weighed about 39 kilos. Wow. So I was 20, no, it was 19 or 20 at the time. Um, I think it was actually just after I turned 20. So I wasn't able to function in my accounting job. My bosses cornered me after work one night and were like, what's going on? Like, we've noticed you've lost a lot of weight. You're not eating during the work day. You're falling asleep at your desk. You're on your phone, like just constantly. And I ended up just telling them, like, yeah, I've relapsed with my eating disorder. Um, 
And they were sort of like, okay, we've got a couple of options. Either you pull your act together and you agree to work on improving yourself and we'll pay for you to do a month of powerlifting coaching and, you know, start training in a healthy way, but you have to be eating um, or you lose your job. So I chose the, okay, let's see if I can kick myself into gear a bit better. Uh, I'd, I'd been training in gyms on and off since I was about 13 uh, because I used to play soccer at the school I went to and part of our soccer training was we'd go in the gym once a week and do weights and just learn how to move a bit better. And, yeah, so had been training for, God, seven years by this point on and off and I was at the point, though, where it was really toxic training because I was going to the gym at, like, 3.30 in the morning and training for three hours, coming home, then going to work and then doing the same thing in the evening. Right. Um, so it was it was the gym was just a means to to drop the weight for you as opposed to being he- healthier really. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, that and then, yeah, restricting quite heavily. Like I was living at home. The only meal that my parents ever saw me eat was dinner and even then if I ate more than half my dinner, it was kind of a bit of a miracle back then. Yeah. I find it really interesting that they suggested to go into powerlifting training. Were these guys um, in the powerlifting scene themselves? Yeah. So one of my um, old bosses, he had done a couple of comps. Um, We also had a client who was a powerlifting coach. So that was who they got me to get coached by initially. And yeah, just got me back into a pattern of like being able to eat. And like they had a rule that if they didn't see me eat, they would march me down to the cafe downstairs and literally sit there and make me eat in front of them so that they knew I was eating. Right. Okay, well, that's great commitment from the bosses at work then. Yeah. Pretty supportive uh, workplace. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, excellent. And so how long did it take you um, when you started your powerlifting training to really start to enjoy it and want to be like, hey, I want to start to lift a little heavier and, and work on performance and, and everything like that? Yeah, so it took probably a couple of months, um, obviously, because that was when I was having to try and change the thought patterns around, you know, I need to be eating to be able to train. I'm actually really enjoying this training, but there was that constant conflict. Um, I ended up putting on about five kilos within a few months, um, which was good. I did it healthily at least um, instead of, you know, just shoving food in my face. It was just more of a gradual increase. Sure. Um, so it was it was manageable, um, but I did learn very quickly that I was not allowed to have my fitness pal on my phone. Right. Um, I have it now. Now that I know how to manage my eating disorder, but back then it was just not not a good thing because I was tracking like everything. And, and that's what I was going to ask you there. Like, is it, um, you actually already answered my question, but basically was, is, do you track everything or does that become too meticulous? Or do you just say, I'm just going to eat a little bit more than yesterday, or I'm going to eat until I feel full and then maybe have a little bit more later. It was just more of a, how you were feeling. Yeah. yeah. So like now I know I know what I eat every day. I know what I need to eat to be maintaining weight or at the moment we've learned that what I've been eating the last couple of weeks isn't enough. So I've got to increase um, my food intake a little bit just so I'm sitting not below 56, but ideally like just above. Right. And as you've, you've continued to work in powerlifting, did it start to become easier and easier for you in regards to understanding that that food has to come in or is it something that you're constantly sort of still working on? Yeah, like it's a, it's a hard one. Like I do get, even now, and I have to remind myself that it's a good thing, that the number in the, on the scales can increase. Like I know eventually I'm going to end up in the 60 kilo class. So the goal will be to eat me up 
to 60 kilos comfortably, not um, dangerously for my headspace. So it's just, yeah, making sure I know how things are going. Sure. Main thing. And, and that's really important as well because I tell that to clients all the time is that when you're looking at the scale, the number can be deceptive because, yeah, your weight might be increasing, but you might be your body composition going in the correct direction, which means you're losing body fat over time or you're increasing your lean mass over time, which are all, all good things, um, but the weight on the scale might still creep up. So people get really fixated on the number on the scale and without realizing that, hey, that, that can go up and you can still be really healthy and, and getting actually healthier as you as it happens. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like it's, it is a mindset thing. Um, and I think the funny thing is, is that the number on the scale, as you said, might not change. It's your body composition changing. So you'll notice it more readily, I guess, is probably the word to use, in like your genes might be a bit looser, for example. Yeah. I guess another question that I had was um, I've worked with some clients that have uh, dropped a lot of weight. They've started from, you know, uh, quite a high level of body fat and over time they've come down. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they were limiting their um, calories quite a bit. Not so much on eating disorders and they didn't want to eat or they were, you know, doing other things after they ate. But just in the fact that um, they wanted to drop weight and that's the way they thought that was the best way was to cut back a bunch of calories. Right. And now we have this problem where when you do that for a year, a year and a half or, you know, a long time is that it can mess with people's metabolisms. And then when you introduce food back in, um, they'll put on they will put on some some extra fat and uh, and body mass um, that's unwanted. Um, but they need to realize there's sort of that reverse dieting phase now where they need to teach their body to start using the calories again. So is that something that you had to deal with or um, were you lucky enough that it was just more of a slow, gradual um, yeah. progression in calories and weight? Yeah, it's always been sort of slow and steady. Um, and if I've been, you know, cutting down for comp, it's just slow and steady. We don't sort of drastically change things. It's just gradual week by week. Like otherwise you can really mess with someone's mindset. I think that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. Well, you need people that are competing to be confident. All the time, confident under the bar, confident on the scales, confident um, in themselves, right? So if you're introducing doubt to them, oh, you know, oh, we're, we need to cut some more weight or oh, you're not eating enough, like, it's going to take away from their performance. Yeah. So yeah, you always want to be comfortable um, and confident, I should say, not comfortable. Sometimes powerlifting is a little uncomfortable. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you always want to be confident going into, into a meet for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, the second part of this, the flip side would be more from the coaching side of things. And like I mentioned this a little bit early on in the podcast is that I'm sure a lot of coaches have clients uh, or, or, you know, athletes who have had or are working through eating disorders. And it's one of those eggshell situations where I don't want to tell someone, hey, you have to eat this food if you want to lift this weight that you've told me you want to lift. Like this is, you're not going to, you know, you need to feed and fuel your body. Yeah. I don't want to give them a complex about food. At the same time, I don't want to completely ignore it because if they haven't made the change by themselves up to this point, maybe they need some sort of external driver saying, hey, there needs to be some sort of change in this area. Now, obviously, you can't speak for everyone that's got an eating disorder. Everyone's a little different, but maybe a bit of insight into, into your experience with that. So when you've been dealing with your coaches, do you want them to just leave it completely up to you? Are you looking for a little bit of guidance? Not so much in terms of, hey, these are the, the macros, eat this many grams of fats and proteins and carbs. But look, if we want to do this, we just need to increase the calories a little bit and then leave that up to you to do. What do you, what worked well for you? Um, definitely now it is like, okay, this is what my body weight is. This is what we're trying to achieve. 
I need to eat more. Like, and Joel's got no qualms about telling me, <laughs> like, eat more. Um, That's right. Joel's your coach now as well. Yeah. Yep, yep, perfect. So, like, it's really important that, like, I do keep an eye on my weight, especially around comp time. But it is also important that I know, like, for example, for dinner I eat 200 grams of steak and I'll eat, I think it's a half a cup of couscous or something. And we know that like my lunches is like about 150 grams of chicken and about the same as sweet potato. And we know that because I've been dropping weight, we need to increase the meals. So it's just a bit of trial and error, but like we monitor my weight through that. Sure, sure. And and you're happy that he's giving, you know, or you're at least working together to see, hey, we know you're eating this much. It needs to increase a little bit. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that never felt like um, uncomfortable for you or when you were first starting out? People saying, you know, when they first bridge that with you, hey, we need to actually eat more, not just for health, but for performance and the weight on the scale is going to go up with that. Yeah. Like I think I've been pretty lucky. The coaches I've had before, all of them have had a decent awareness of eating disorders and how to talk about it with their clients, um, whether they've had friends and family who have gone through it or partners. Like it's, I think it's important that coaches know how to have the conversation. Um, I remember like my coach, my first one, when I was really sick, he couldn't work out. Like he, he knew I knew I had an eating disorder, but he couldn't work out why I just couldn't lift this weight that week. And he took me outside and he's like, okay, I want you to write down what you've eaten today. And I'd missed a meal. And he's like, okay, this explains this. Like you have to be eating before you come to the gym. And it was just sort of a, otherwise he's like, you're going to have another session like tonight and you're not going to like it. Right. So it was sort of just helping me realize that I had to eat to be able to perform at the level that I wanted. Sure. Honestly, it's originally just having a conversation with someone you trust who might be able to point you in the right direction, whether it's to, you know, go and see a nutritionist, for example, or, you know, okay, you want to start lifting, let's go find a gym, do some trials, a few gyms and see what works for you. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, everyone has different coping mechanisms and different mindsets. Sure. Is there anything that I've missed that you think that we should touch on uh, in regards to eating and training? I don't think so. No? That, that covers a good chunk of what we wanted to talk about? Yeah. Perfect. Well, now that we've gotten a bit of the heavier stuff out of the way, let's talk about GPC States. I'm excited to hear about your uh, your training coming up. You just, before you came in, you told me that uh, you actually tweaked your freaking neck just uh, yeah. last night. Yeah, oh. last night. Um, spasmed up the side of my right side of my neck while I was benching on my first working set. And luckily I only had two working sets, but um, I was sort of like, oh, okay, this is a bit stiff. And then by the time I was home, getting ready for bed and everything, I could barely turn my head. And so I was heat bagged up, like anti-inflammatories. It was – and then I didn't really sleep last night. No. <laughs> like I just felt like I was lying there with my eyes shut, but every time I needed to roll over, I woke up. Ah, uh, the grimace. I know that feeling yeah. just from old rugby injuries when you're sort of only comfortable in one position when you have to move, which you inevitably do. Yeah. It is not a nice feeling. Yeah, and I think the thing for me that really worried me was like I went to sit up to get out of bed and I couldn't actually bring myself into a sitting position properly. Right. And it was just like I couldn't move my head and it was kind of just stuck. I was like, oh, this is going to be great for tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but you seem to have a bit more 
bit more more movement, not not a he- huge amount, but you're getting a bit of movement through there. Yeah, a bit of movement. I've had a heat bag on it on and off basically. Yeah. All morning. Yeah. Now being two weeks out, um, were you finishing up your heavy weeks here and taking a two like a two week taper off, or do you have a shorter than two week taper? Yeah. So next week will be openers. Yep. So slowly tapering back and then deload the week of. So yeah, just openers tapering off and then the full deload leading into the uh, into the states, yep. interstates, I should say. Um, that's exciting. Now, which out of the three lifts is your favorite? I'm looking at your numbers here and it's pretty standard. Like usually people's deadlift stronger than the squat and then the bench is the lowest. Do you have a favorite? And it all looks actually quite well proportioned too. Some uh, people have like a clear one that, that's lagging or ahead. So what, what what's your go-to? Look, in all honesty, um, my squat has not improved like I missed 145 today um I think it in all honesty wasn't in the right mindset but I hit 145 last year if anything we might get a five kilo pb out of it at states um my bench has actually increased um so I hit 75 in the gym this week which was a pb uh, and I hit 70 at capo nationals last year okay um deadlift I've actually swapped from conventional to sumo as well. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, look, playing to the teacup leverages. Yeah. Um, it's just, a, it feels better, but um, so I pulled a very ugly 165 in the gym. I'm not counting that as a PB because I hitched. Okay. So I pulled 160 clean right before it though. Yeah. Um, and just for people that don't know what hitching is, that's basically when you're letting the bar be supported by your legs. And sometimes you see a little bit of jolting up the thighs with that one. All right. A little bit of jolting up the thighs. <laughs> yeah, okay. it was a little bit. Um, I've also learned and I actually have a shocking bruise on my quad. Yeah. Um, because my fingers on my left hand, which is my overhand, have been catching on the skin. Yeah. As I've been getting to lockout and it's, yeah, I've got like a bruise. Oh, no. Yeah, pretty yeah, decent okay. size. <laughs> All right. That's really interesting that you switched to sumo because um, one of my uh, good friends and, and clients who, are, who I train here, he's just getting into equipped lifting. We've both been getting – well, and because he wanted to get into it, I'm getting into it too. Got to learn how to coach it. And lucky enough that we um, know Nathan Baxter, who I'm sure you know as well, who's a wizard in, in equipped benching and everything like that. Um, but, you know, Titan Australia, the only um, deadlift suit that they had was a sumo stance. And I pulled conventional. I'm like, oh. So I'm going to order a conventional as well from the States. But I, I, I picked up that sumo because it was the only one left that was in my size. And uh, I said, I felt so dirty. And I haven't actually used it fully yet. I'm trying to break it in a little bit. Uh It's a bit tight. It's a competition fit. Um, But I'm trying to teach myself the sumo now as a conventional puller. And I was like, I was hoping with every ounce of my body that maybe that my proportions would be good for sumo. And I was like doing the old Google and measuring, you know, arm length and torso length. I'm like, damn it, I'm still suited for conventional. <laughs> but um, I'm kind of interested to see how the sumo – I'm going to be doing both. I'm going to be do- pulling yeah. um, a conventionally raw and then sumo in the suit for yeah. a little while and just to see how, how both of those feel. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, Equip's never been something that's interested me at all. No, it's it's weird. It's a it's, it's good. It's, but it's really strange and it's super uncomfortable. You have all these bruises and, and, and chafe marks everywhere from this. You know, yeah. you come out with blood blisters. You're like, what am I doing? Yeah. yeah. We've had one of the boys at Rucci's. Um, he's doing equipped for state. Chaps. Something yeah. chaps, yeah. right? Yeah, we've been following him yeah, on, on Instagram. Yep. So, yeah, it's been entertaining watching him try and get into the suit. That's probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a bit of a... Bit of a, a learning curve, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but you found that the switch from conventional to sumo has been, been good for you? Yeah, um, because last year before States in March, I actually busted my rib. Okay. Um, because – so I've been wearing a standard four-inch powerlifting loaded lifting belt and I've worn it – Lever or prong? Lever. Yep. 
And the issue with that is it sits on my hip bones and then on my rib cage. There's no wiggle room. Yeah. And basically I was bracing in conventional, would have been early, late January, early Feb last year. And I actually separated the cartilage from the rib bone. Okay. So that's that called sublux, subluxing rib? I don't know. Okay. All I know is that it was, yeah, separation painful. and The same on rubium. This one sits out about two centimetres further than the other well, one? Well, it was along the side. Okay. So, um, yeah, I struggled basically the whole rest of like last year. Rib injuries are terrible because you you just have to wait and they're just really painful. And if yeah. it's not a structural thing, it just hurts like heck, but you can't do anything about it. Yeah, and yeah. it was just it was it was terrible. Um so yeah, we made the decision um sort of when I was between coaches late last year, early this year, um I started learning sumo and it's felt miles better for me. Oh, great. And I don't get the because the thing with the conventional was like when I bent over, that was when the risk was of me having the belt slip up and do and the rib again. Yeah. So now that I'm pulling sumo, I don't have that, but I have just also... Just a more vertical position. Yes. Yeah, and you've also, kept that standard standard belt width? I've actually just ordered a three-inch Pioneer. Okay. Uh, so that should be here in about six weeks. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, I'm interested to see how that how that goes for you. That's one of the issues that um, the trainer here, he was having. He used to always just squat and deadlift with no belt, just um, raw. And we're actually having a squat challenge on Christmas Day this year. Um, we're going to see. He keeps telling me, because he's a smaller guy, all right, uh, that, that strength is relative. And I keep telling him strength is absolute. Um, unless I'm hanging out with like Dan Macri and then I'm the one saying that strength is relative, right? Yeah. You know how it is. Um, and then... Uh, he's like, all right, well, let's do this. We've started our squat, our squat program. I'm like, we well, got to get all the kits. So we got him some knee sleeves, got him a belt. Um, we're going to teach him how to wrap his knees up if we get closer to the date. And uh, and he had the same problem. Like he's got quite a short torso and it's very uncomfortable for his ribs. And um, he just couldn't use the the, uh, the lever belt at all. Um, it was too stiff. So he ended up going with a prong belt, which helped a bit because it wasn't quite as tight and it seemed to have just more flex through it, even though it's the same 10 mil thickness. Yeah. So he's gone the um, the prong belt. Um, but maybe, he, yeah, it's something he could, he could look into going into a three-inch belt as well. Yeah, Pioneer definitely have, like, probably the best belts yeah. for a three-inch that I've seen. Um, I know there's a couple of other brands that can do them, but Pioneer and just the quality is, yeah, really good. But I won't go to a prong. I don't have the energy for a prong. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a lever, which I can just quickly flick. I'm all like, about the lever. Yeah, the lever is, is the is the only way in my opinion. But yeah. if, you know, for, if it, whatever works for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, and so when you're squatting, did you have the same issues with the rib or it's just because the deadlift, it was such a lower position? Yeah, so... Bent over position. Yeah, so last year um, when I was in prep and I would realized I'd done the rib, I couldn't actually deal with my belt myself. That was actually like, even though it was a lever, I couldn't do the belt up myself because oh, it wow. just hurt so much. Yeah. Uh, so I would have to brace so that someone could actually do the belt up for me. Um, but this year, like the only issue that I have had with the belt is because I've leaned up a lot. I, I can't tighten the belt because otherwise it's going to be like too tight on the ribs and hip. But I'm also not able to brace enough to fully fill out right. the belt properly. So like in between hole sizes there? Yeah. yeah. Oh. You're not allowed to wear a jumper under your soft suit, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> fill it out a little bit. Oh, that's a shame. Um, yeah. Well, I guess you said yourself you were planning on eventually moving up a weight class as well. Um, 
So new yeah. weight class brings new 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 belt hole sizes, I guess. Yeah. Look, the goal is the four hundred total, so I can qualify for pro raw. Okay. That's been my challenge um, that I wanted to hit. Yeah. So I'll like if I get my four hundred total and fingers crossed get that pro raw invite. Yeah. Um, I'll be competing at the six in the sixtieth class at pro raw. Oh, nice. So is that how the the pro and you have to excuse me, my knowledge on the pro raw is limited. I, you know, I do like to tune in and see the big dogs in the pro raw and the run, see some big lists, but I don't know the qualifying terms. It's basically they set here's a total for this weight class. If you can get over that, we'll consider you, and it's by sort of application and. Yeah, so I'm not too sure. Like all I've sort of my understanding is you've got to sort of hit. They've got sort of guidelines that they've set, um, and I know for my class it's. 400. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's different for the 75s and then um, the other weight classes that they do at Pro Raw as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's less weight classes altogether, yeah. isn't it? Just so it's 60, 75s and then like a super heavyweight or something for um, the women? I think there's another class for women and then supers. Yeah. So I think it's three or four classes, definitely. Okay. All right. And it's the same with the guys. They've narrowed it down to three or four weight classes as well? The guys have more. So there's... 80s, 95s, 110s, 125s, and then it's – I can't remember if they have 140s and supers or whether it's just 140 plus. Sure. And I think with the women it's actually 75 plus. So I think it is actually just three weight classes for okay. the women. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to get into Megan's ear about that at some point as well. She's my strong woman competitor. She just competed in her first meet uh, was Novice Comp last yep. weekend. Oh, awesome. She's also at States in two weeks' time. Yeah. So, um, and then the week after that is the next qualifier for strong woman. So she's just like filled up her schedule with competitions, which programming has been um, problematic, but we're, we're was, working through it. I was going to say, how's her body holding up? Yeah, it's, it's not ideal to have three comps in four weeks, but... She wants to do three comps in four weeks. She's um, she's going to do three comps in four weeks. So um, we'll get we'll yeah. get her there. But uh, she just hit a four hundred. But she's uh, in. She was weighing high seventies, um, yeah. and her total was four hundred at the novice comp. And she's going to be aiming for the seventy five class uh, at at state. So she's awesome. really excited about that. Yeah, yeah. But she's got three competitors here at state. So we're slowly building a stable mm. of people to, to compete next year. We're hoping for ten people yep. to jump into comps next year. Yeah, and the yeah. seventy five kilo class for states is going to be stacked. Is it? Well, I was having a look at the. I know there was. Um, is it Jessica Day who had yeah. like a four sixty or something total? Yeah, yeah, Jess has got quite a high four hundred yeah. total. And then there was one girl from over east from Melbourne, and yeah. I don't know if she's here. Yeah. Is she here? Because no. she would have had to have been here quarantining for like months now. Nah, yeah. Joe's not here. She's yeah. um, in Geelong, from what I've seen. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she's not coming over. All right, but she had planned to originally. Yeah. I remember seeing the post on the Ruchi's gym site there, so it was like, ooh, this is going to be uh, exciting. Yeah. yeah. So that's all That's all exciting. Well, I just wanted to say thank you very much for, for jumping on um, because this is a touchy subject with a lot of people, but I think it's important that um, both people on your side and my side get to hear at least some opinions on it and they can form their own educated yeah. opinions moving forward. So thanks very much for, for putting that out there. Um, and I'm really excited to see how you go at States. I'll be there um, handling in the back as well um, for, for my athletes. And uh, I'm really excited to see how GPC States go all, all together this year. Yeah, I think and it's it going to be really good. good and yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. Not a problem at all. Um, and basically, like I said earlier, your YouTube channel talking about powerlifting and mental health is just um, Sammy Johannes. Um, and I'll put the links in the details of the podcast. So anyone that wants to follow you and your, um, and your page, they can do that. Awesome. Thank, awesome. You. Thank you very much. Cheers. Have a good one, everyone.